0: Hey, Christ Community, thanks for letting me be a part of your spiritual journey. Uh, Before we jump into the message, I wanted to take a couple minutes and let you know a really important tool for our entire church family that's going to be available very, very soon. And that is a brand new Christ Community app for smartphones, iPads, et cetera. This new and improved app is is designed for us as a family to connect with what God is doing at Christ Community. So the website, that's more for anyone who's kind of checking us out for the first time, but the app, that's for us as family. And this is so vital to us now more than ever, as we're such a diverse church, you know, connecting with and being part of this family in many in so many different ways. We have hundreds of people that engage in person on the weekends. We have hundreds of others of us that are engaging online each week as well. And so our new app is designed to give us all a central hub to engage all that's happening here on demand and in real time, no matter what way we experience worship. Now, once it's officially available, you can download it on your device. And for many of you Apple users, if you already had the old Christ Community app, it should automatically update for you. But there is so much cool stuff you're going to want to explore in this app. I mean, our our team did an amazing job. In this app, you can access teaching, you can explore groups, you can register for events, you can ask questions. You'll also see giving options that are incredibly simple to utilize there will soon be a kids mobile pre-check where you parents can check your kids in on your way to church. The app will even have some ways for people who are at our in-person services to engage during that service. This newly designed app will be an easy way for all of us to stay connected with and engaged in all that is happening at Christ's Community. Now, let me just say, if you aren't using a smartphone or apps that much, don't worry. Everything you need will still be available like it has been with our newsletters and emails. And you can always utilize the chat function on our website to get any of your questions answered. But our heart, our heart is to help as many people as possible feel connected here and be a part of what God is doing in us as a church. And we believe that our new app will help us do that much better moving forward. So keep looking for that update. We'll keep you posted on when that's released. Lord willing, it will happen very soon. All right, so let's jump into the message. I've been looking forward to this message for quite a while because in it, I get to share our vision for our church for the coming year. It, it, it feels sort of like Christmas morning for me as your pastor. And here's why. This word vision, that word vision is so critical right now. It's such a critical word right now. You know, when I think about what's going on in our nation and in people's hearts, it feels like we're sort of in a fog. You know, I described it recently to someone as, as, as feeling like we're flying blind. It's like life is happening, and yet we can't really see clearly where we're headed. And that's a very unsettling place to be. It can stir feelings of fear, of despair, of panic, of confusion, even anger. I called a a commercial pilot friend of mine uh, the other day, and I I asked him, so how do you land a plane when it's foggy and you can't see the runway? And, And he told me, you have to rely completely on the instrument panel. You have to trust what those instruments are saying. And I feel like that's what we need in this season of fog and confusion. We need to trust our instrument panel. And, and, and that instrument panel for us is the Bible. In the Bible, God gives us a clear vision for how we are to live. No matter what is going on around us in terms of pandemics or politics or whatever, none of that impacts God's vision for how we are to live. So what better way for us to dive into a message about God's vision for how we're to live than by talking about The Mandalorian? Uh, For those of you who don't know, The Mandalorian is this pretty fun television series on Disney streaming. It's part of the whole Star Wars saga, and it takes place a few years after the return of the Jedi. So The Mandalorian is this strong, armored-up guy who was initially just a bounty hunter, But he ends up taking under his care this adorable uh, baby Yoda creature who who captures his heart. So there's this tenderness underneath all that armor. And he gets swept up in a story that is so much bigger than himself. Now don't worry, I'm, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but in like the third episode, we discover that there are other Mandalorians who are living underground because they are enemies of the evil empire that tried to wipe them out during a rebellion. So there's this scene where this Mandalorian meets these other Mandalorians. And as they're talking about their common purpose, they have this phrase that they say to each other. For you Mando fans, you can say this with me. This is the way. This is the way. See, this line, this this mantra, this common creed gets repeated at various times throughout the series. And it really becomes this reminder to the Mandalorian of who he is and what purpose he serves. It's, it's a statement that grounds him in his life purpose. Now, with that in mind, I want to point out something in the Bible that I find so fascinating. In the book of Acts, we have this front row seat into what happens to the followers of Jesus after Jesus ascends into heaven. So they initially gather in community, they get organized, um, but then a persecution arises, and, and they scatter throughout the region, spreading the good news of Jesus. And, and, and one of these persecutors is a guy named Saul. And we're told in Acts chapter nine, exactly what Saul is doing. Check this out. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Did you notice how these followers of Jesus are described? They aren't called Christians. That doesn't happen until later. They are referred to as belonging to the way. This word way means path or road or journey. What I love about this description is that it speaks to the fact that these people are living in a different way than the rest of their culture. In fact, we see here that this term, the way, was used by enemies of the gospel to describe this movement. I mean, the the thing that stood out the most about these Jesus people was not simply what they believed, it was how they lived. They lived according to a different way than the world around them. Now think about that in light of the reality of Christianity in America today. For many people today, being a Christian is simply about what you believe. That if you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you're a Christian. It doesn't matter if that has no impact on your life. It doesn't matter that you're living the same way the world lives. That doesn't matter. As long as you believe the right information about Jesus, you're good. Friends, that is to completely miss the purpose for which Jesus died and rose again. He didn't die on the cross to gather a group of fans who believe the right information about him. He died on the cross to create a movement of people who are so in love with him that they long to live the way he lived, to love the way he loved. This is the way. This is the way. We are called to follow Jesus. We are called to pattern our lives and our hearts and our attitudes and our actions completely around and upon Him, regardless of the chaos in our nation, regardless of restrictions, regardless of who's president, regardless of who's on the Supreme Court. This is the way, following Jesus. This is what our instrument panel directs us to do, no matter what the weather conditions, no matter if we're flying with no visibility, we are to follow Jesus. This is his vision for us, not just in 2021. This is his vision for us for the rest of our lives. Jesus says to us, follow me, not follow a political leader, not follow the latest trends or the latest view of sexuality or whatever. Jesus says, follow me. And as your pastor, here's what I want you to hear. This is our vision as a church. This is what we are passionately pursuing. We want to follow Jesus wherever that takes us, whatever that means for us in terms of suffering or persecution, whatever that means for us in terms of breaking off religiosity or man-made traditions or apathy or racial, political, cultural barriers. We just want to follow Jesus and here's what excites me more than anything else. When we actually follow Jesus, we become a part of his movement to change the world. Following Jesus isn't about passivity, you know, uh, mediocrity, wimpiness, whatever. Honestly, following Jesus in our culture today is a challenging path. It is a subversive way to impact the world because we're doing it according to Jesus' kingdom and not the world's. This is the way. This is the vision that I want to give my life to as I lead this church, and I want to invite you to join me in it. Whether you are new to Christ's community or you've been attending here for years, I believe God is calling us afresh to follow Him, to be people of the way. I honestly can't wait for God. what, what, what God is going to do in us as we pursue this vision together. I, I believe we are living in a day and age in which those who choose to seriously follow Jesus are going to shine really brightly in the midst of this world that is so filled with anger and hatred. So how are we going to pursue this? Well, let me share our vision for what following Jesus looks like, not only for us as a church, but also for each one of us as individuals. So th- this is how we as a church are, articulate, and envision what it means to follow Jesus. All things with Christ as a thriving family for all people. So I want to take a minute, a few minutes here, and explore a bit, in a bit more detail, each one of these phrases. So first, all things with Christ. In John 15, Jesus gave us this powerful analogy about how we are to live our lives. Check this out. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This word remain is the Greek is a Greek word that means to abide, to dwell, to live in. It's describing this continual intimate relationship with Jesus, where we are living in him. We are drawing our life from him. We are hearing his voice. We are filled with his spirit. Our identity is rooted in his love. It is a life lived with Jesus, experiencing him in a real and tangible way. All things with Christ. Jesus is not describing a life in which we only experience him at church or we only experience him in Bible study. He's describing a life in which we are, continually, we are continually connected to and aware of his presence in us wherever we are, at work, at school, on a tennis court, in a restaurant, at home, when we're taking a walk, when we're in the hospital, when we're cheering for our child at the, the soccer match. See, what this means is that when you are abiding in Jesus, everything is spiritual. When you're abiding in Jesus, everything is spiritual. You are welcoming his presence and insight into every situation and every conversation and every aspect of your life, all things with Christ. Now, the question is, how do we cultivate this kind of life with Christ? Well, back to my pilot friend, when, I, when we were talking about how he lands a commercial jet <clears throat> when there's no visibility, he told me that he actually practices this kind of landing. Just that day, he had landed a commercial airliner at DIA. It was a perfectly clear day. No visibility problems. It was a clear day. But as he was landing, he decided to focus only on the instrument panel rather than what he was seeing around him. Focus only on the instrument panel as a way of practicing landing a plane when there was no visibility. See, through practice, he was learning to be more confident in trusting the instruments, And this is also how we learn to abide with Christ. It's through practices that help us cultivate this kind of lifestyle. Going back to Jesus' vine analogy, what enables grapes to be most fruitful is when there's a trellis. It's not when they're just all bunched together laying on the ground. It's when there's actually a trellis. There's a structure that they're attached to, and that structure enables them to thrive. In a similar way, there are certain spiritual practices that function like a trellis in our lives, enabling us to grow in experiencing Jesus in this abiding relationship. For me personally, my relationship with Jesus has been significantly impacted by four core practices. Stillness, scripture meditation, prayer, and Sabbath. These are practices that I believe if we incorporate them into our lives, they help us experience and all things with Christ's lifestyle. They help, they, they help us root our identity in Jesus' love. They help us be, become more aware of his presence. They help us face life when it feels like we're in a fog of difficult circumstances. So this is why for us as a church, we often focus on these kinds of these practices Our most recent uh, teaching series uh, that we just finished last week, The Gaze That Transforms, that series was designed to help us experience Jesus in a more real way through biblical imaging. Um, We're actually developing a core discipleship course in which we explore together these four practices. We we have a pilot of this course that I'm going to be teaching in person starting Wednesday, February 10th. And the, the course is called Experiencing Intimacy with Jesus. There are details in your newsletter. We're having to limit this first class to 32 people because of COVID space restrictions, but our goal is to eventually offer this class in various platforms, including online. This all things with Christ heartbeat is why in our worship services, we give space for response. We give room for prayer after a message, room for prayer, room for biblical imaging, room to just experience Jesus in real ways. So to summarize this first point, we believe that a core aspect of following Jesus is learning how to abide or remain in him. We want to do all we can as a church to help you experience him in that way. Well, the the second aspect of what following Jesus looks like is this phrase, as a thriving family. It's interesting to me that when Jesus invited these initial disciples to follow him, he invited them into a community. They lived together, they traveled together, they teased each other, they had arguments and personality conflicts. It wasn't a one-on-one thing. To follow Jesus is to be in community, in relationship with others. So then, after Jesus ascends into heaven, and the Spirit is poured out on these people that that, that turn to him for salvation, what do they do? They form a community of faith. Check this this out from Acts chapter 2. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts." That sounds like family, right? That sounds like family, eating together, meeting each other's needs, doing life together. And and this wasn't just a one-off thing. Later, when the Apostle Paul is writing to various churches, he repeatedly reminds them that they are a family. This is who God wants us to be. He wants us to be a thriving family, a place where each one of us is accepted and loved and known, a place where each one of us contributes of our abilities and resources to the good of others. That's what families do. So for us as a church, this is a crucial part of what it means to follow Jesus, being in community, in close relationships with other followers of Jesus. This is why we are so committed to groups and helping people find a group to be a part of. We have groups that meet in person. We have groups that meet online. We have well, line, We have men's groups, we have women's groups, we have mixed groups. We, we can help you start a group. And, and it's not just groups, we have people engaging with each other in our online services. We have people who are hanging out after our in-person services. We have people who are sharing practical needs on our Family Connections Facebook page and others are responding to those needs. We have families in our church having college students over for dinner once a week. We want everyone here to feel like they're part of the family. This is the way, following Jesus in community. And if there is any way we can help you experience this kind of community, let us know. There is one other crucial aspect of what we believe following Jesus looks like, and that is expressed in this this third phrase, for all people for all people. When you look at the life of Jesus and the movement it created, He created, you realize that there is a specific trajectory to this story. In fact, this trajectory is found throughout the entire story of the Bible. God starts right? He creates Adam and Eve. Not only to have a relationship with him and each other, He also commands them to be fruitful and to multiply. A few chapters later, when God calls Abraham into relationship with him, it, it wasn't just about Abe knowing God. God told him, "I am blessing you so that you and your descendants can be a blessing to the world." So, so it's no wonder that when Jesus invited the disciples to follow him, that relationship with him included being sent out into the world. And so then we see in the book of Acts, this missional heartbeat continuing through the church. See, we are God's plan to reach the world. What, what, what all of this means is that as followers of Jesus, not only are we to be about cultivating intimacy with him and being connected in a family with other believers, we are also to be about those who are not yet a part of God's family. The natural trajectory of the life of a follower of Jesus is outward. It is to see the people around us through the lens of compassion and to live a life of love for the world, for all people. No one around us deserves anything less than our love. Jesus says, love your enemies, love those who mistreat you, love those you disagree with, love those who have rejected God. For a follower of Jesus, our primary posture to the world is love. We are to lead with love. We are to listen with love. We are to speak the truth in love. For too long, the church in America has been known for what we're against. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were known for what we're for? We want to be for our community. We want to be for our schools. We want to be for our neighbors. We want to be for those in poverty. We want to be for those who are victims of injustice. We want to be for our medical personnel in our community who face the threat of COVID every day in order to help bring healing to people in need. Our church recently provided some meals for hospital workers. We've given them thank you notes. We're in the process of organizing other ways of thanking the first responders there. This is the way that Jesus calls us to live, to be for all people, to live as sent ones, to be instruments of his love and compassion to the world around us. I want us to watch a video of a couple in our church who felt this stirring a few years ago toward a particular group of people in Greeley. And and, and God has responded by opening incredible doors.
1: Hi, I'm Josh. I am from Greeley, Colorado. Currently work here as a physician assistant.
2: I'm Isaac and I'm seven years old. I'm Eli and I am 10 years old.
0: My name is Raya and I'm nine years old.
2: I'm Eliana and I'm six years old. I'm Carrie and I am blessed to stay home with these kids.
1: Many years ago, I was in my grandmother's basement and she was a collector of National Geographic's. And she had, down in her basement, she had bookshelves that were just full of them. And so as kids, we'd go down there for fun and we would pull off all the National Geographics, make a huge mess. There was a day I remember I was flipping through the pictures and there I came across that picture of a lady who had wrapped her, wrapped her neck in like this thick wire and she had stretched it out. And, and I remember thinking to myself, who is she? Uh, who is this lady? Where is she from? What land is she from? And has she ever heard the name of Jesus before? Fast forward to about 10 years ago, Carrie and I uh, were living in Greeley. I was working at a public health clinic and in walked one of my first patients, and his name was Soh and Soh was from the country of Myanmar or Burma. Eventually, Soh and his family, his five kids, and his wife became friends of ours. We started bringing them to church every Sunday. Uh, there was this specific Sunday that um, We felt it was time to share the gospel with Sorey, and so we went over to his house. And the room was just full of people. And everybody was sat down on the floor, Sorey and his wife, grandmas and grandpas. And And we asked them, how many people in this room have ever heard the name of Jesus? And not a single person in the room had ever heard his name before. We shared the gospel with them. Um, Many in the room came to know Jesus. And several months later, we were able to baptize them. Uh, there was this lady, and I didn't recognize her, and I didn't recognize her face. I didn't realize that she was from a different tribe within Burma, and so I asked the translator, who is that lady over there? And she said, oh, that's uh, that's one of the ladies from the Long Neck village. And she said, you know, the village where they, they wrap the wire on their neck, and they stretch their neck out, and they make their necks really long. And I said, wait, the Long Necks live in Myanmar? And she said, yeah, that's, that's the tribe that we're from, we're from right there, right by their village. Um, and it was this huge revelation that God had just brought my story full circle. That here I was working with a people group that I'd seen in the National Geographic magazine as a kid, and I had no idea that I was now working with them. And they were in our own backyard.
2: So through getting to know Soray and his family and the other families um, within Christ Community International, we started seeing an overarching need for their home country to hear the name of Jesus. He's placed in us a burden for them to experience freedom and forgiveness that the gospel of Jesus Christ um, gives. It's crazy because 10 years ago, we weren't intentionally looking to get involved with missions. We were having babies and learning a little bit about what it meant to be parents. But then God brought these beautiful people into our lives and our hearts started beating in a brand new way. God was calling our family to pick up and go.
1: We spent the whole month of February in 2018 there with our kids and just kind of doing a vision trip, going around and meeting with different missionaries. Where are we going to be living? What are we going to be doing?
2: I'll never forget looking into the eyes of this girl who worked at a tea shop that we would go to every day and her name is Popo. In her eyes I just saw this deep void. I've never seen it before. And so I went back to our hotel room and I just cried my eyes out because I have what she needs, but at that point I couldn't communicate to her at all because I didn't have her language. Um, and so, like that was really eye-opening to me that like there is a real void in our souls that um, that is space for God. Like God created, and only He can fill it. And she's never had the opportunity to like to hear about. To hear about him and about his love for her and about how valuable she is.
1: That just reinforced that, our call after we spent a month there of seeing person after person that had this void in their life that only Jesus can fill. Like, how could you not go? How could you not go?
0: What a great example of God's heart of compassion and what can happen when we say yes. To God's heart. Now this doesn't mean that we all have to move overseas to demonstrate compassion. I just got an email um, this past week from a guy in our church who uh, God has opened a door for him to start a Bible study with someone in the, in the jail here locally and his, his small group is raising money just to purchase Bibles for the, some of the people there. It was just a really cool story. So the question really is where are the opportunities before us to be for those in need? By the way, next weekend, you're going to hear about an amazing and simple way that you and I can make a real difference in the life of someone in poverty. I cannot wait to tell you more about it. It's going to be an awesome weekend at Christ Community online and in person. Don't miss it. What a joy and privilege it is to realize that God invites each one of us to be a part of his mission to bring the good news of Jesus to those around us and to a world that is hurting. Imagine the power and the synergy that happen when a community of faith like ours is pursuing this together. So for us at Christ Community, this is our vision. This is the way we are following Jesus. All things with Christ as a thriving family for all people. And we would love for you to be a part of this journey as we follow Jesus together. Would you dream with me for just a moment. Can you imagine what God can do in and through us as a church as we follow the way of Jesus together, pursuing all things with Him, thriving more as a family, and loving the people in our city and around the world the way He does? Imagine not only the impact that will have on others, imagine how different we will be, how God will shape us and change us and take us to places we never thought possible. That this is my hope and dream for us in this coming year. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for this invitation, really, this vision, this invitation to follow you, not only individually, but together as a community of faith. And the impact that this will have in each of our lives and in the lives of so many other people. And so we commit ourselves to you. We commit our hearts to you. We commit our church to you and pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us as we pursue this vision together. And I want to encourage you right now, just in kind of this heart of response, would you take a moment and just ask Jesus in the quiet of your heart, Ask Him what He is inviting you to experience in any one of these areas. So maybe it's the all things with Christ. What is He inviting you to experience in a deeper way this year? Maybe it's as a thriving family. What what is He inviting you to experience just to move towards community? Or maybe it's for all people. What is He inviting you to experience? As you move toward a particular need around you, let's just take a moment and ask Jesus to speak to our hearts about a next step, something he is inviting us to engage in as we pursue this vision. So God, help us move towards that. Whatever you're inviting us to do specifically in response to this message, in response to you, help us have the courage to move towards that. And we pray that you would do an incredible work in us and through our church this coming year. We love you. Thank you for the opportunity now to worship you.